0: Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner.
1: We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Tarolyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin
0: Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together.
2: Felicia, Tarolyn, thank you so much for joining me this morning.
0: Thank you, Diane. We're so excited.
2: Yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about parenthood because I love how well-researched you two tend to be with everything that you present to your listeners. So I want to back up a little bit though and have you introduce yourselves for people that might not know who I'm speaking to.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I will go first. My name is Felicia Allen and um is my sister-in-law and we are co-hosts of find the magic podcast. I am a mom to three boys, and then I just had a new little baby girl. So that's pretty fun. She's, she's six weeks old. And I really got interested in intentional living and parenting um, probably when my first son was about a year old and <clears throat> really was introduced to it through Janet Lansbury, Respectful Parenting, but then went down the rabbit hole from there. And I think a combination of I'm a little type A and I love to read and that combination of loving to research. And then obviously loving my little guy just, just took me from there. And now Mm -hmm. we just can't get enough Mm -hmm. (laughs) of really, we like to do a mix of personal development and parenting and intentional living on our podcast. So kind of all those things combined Mm -hmm. um, led us to start the podcast.
1: And Felicia and I have been doing this for about, I don't know, almost a year and a half now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I'm Tara Lynn. I used to be an English professor and now I have four kids and I stay at home with all of them, ranging from 11 down to three. And I feel like I have always loved learning about parenting, but I was reading, I found myself... Uh, overwhelmed isn't the right word. I would maybe say whelmed. That's it's like somewhere, you know maybe I mean? A little less. But I feel like there's such a wide variety of parenting strategies that as a consumer of ideas, I found myself reading things on opposite sides of the spectrum and thinking, okay, so where in the world? I mean, I remember with my first baby being like, so I can either swaddle her or the opposite side is that that's wrong. You know, I mean, it was kind of confusing for me. And so, as I as I read more and more, I found myself as soon as I discovered the whole idea of conscious parenting and respectful parenting, it was like lights. I mean, just you know, light bulb on, it all clicked together for me. And since then, I love it because I actually feel like now, for me, parenting and my own self soul um, completing journey, they're the same thing. Now, it isn't like I'm trying to force myself into a parenting-specific framework, mm-hmm. I actually feel like I love it because I can read a self-help book that really resonates with me and it is actually helps me with my parenting as well. So it's much more simple.
0: Mm-hmm. It's integrated. And we've
1: mm-hmm. kind of come up with our own, you know, things that we always come back to no matter what, the feel-like truth to us. And it's really, that's actually my favorite thing about respectful parenting is that it's, it is a, a simple way of moving forward and it, it's beautiful.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you two are just, as you just said, you're very intentional about the way you choose to parent. You take the information from here and there. And I I was going to say, I think that a lot of us tend to overcomplicate what our parenting looks like. But I actually, I don't know how to articulate this. Sorry, like I said, it's early. But I think that when we just really tune into like what the foundations and values are that we have for our lives, we can take in that information and then I guess kind of pick and choose and apply it specifically to what we've already created as our foundations and values. And so for for me, I feel like that's a simple approach because I've already like kind of have my non-negotiables and it's just how I apply. I don't know if that Mm -hmm. makes any sense, but
0: yeah, no, totally Mm -hmm. makes sense. I think that's our whole if, if we were to look at, um, our philosophy, I think that's it. We have, Mm -hmm. you know, you have your essentials and like you said, your non-negotiables and then your essential pillars. And then you can add on and take from these, you know, nuggets from a book Mm -hmm. you read or, from a parenting expert you hear from, but when you go back to your core over and over again, Mm -hmm. you can't go wrong. Mm -hmm. So we have four pillars that we like to say are, when something's awry, we can kind of look and know that these are kind of off and those are connection, Mm -hmm. unconditional love, presence, and boundaries. Mm -hmm. And we expound on those more on our podcast, but if we're feeling like one of our kids is really awry or perhaps we're feeling off if we go back to those. It's like you said, they're your your core values. And you can kind of, if we're talking about being minimal here, Mm -hmm. just (laughs) disregard everything else. Just like take off trying to do this system and that or talk to your kids in this specific voice or praise them this way. Just flush all that out and go back to your things that you know that work. And I feel like it often course corrects. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, Diane, I just love that you
1: use the word non-negotiable because I feel like so many, and this totally goes along with the concept of minimalism or um, essentialism. There's Greg McEwen has written a wonderful book called Essentialism. That's kind of that idea of taking things in our life, we make decisions all the time. And if we can classify things in our lives as non-negotiable, it takes away that decision-making fatigue. And one of the most helpful things I have ever done as a parent that was, I mean, I did it when my baby was maybe like two, mm-hmm. was I just made a small list and I call them my essentials. And it's something you can do in 10 minutes or less with your kids Mm -hmm. that you think at the end of the day, if you get those things done. Now, a lot oftentimes it takes me an hour, Mm because say we read a lot of books. Reading books is part of my essentials. So a lot of times it's an hour. But if I only have 10 minutes, can I cut it down Mm -hmm. to 10 minutes? And it takes so much pressure off of you as a parent to know what your non negotiables are. You're not deciding it every day. You're just doing it every day. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you can squeeze down. And then at the end of the day, if that is what you end up doing, rails come off the tracks, the train comes off the tracks, Mm -hmm. then you have still done what's the most important to you. And you haven't had to decide it every single day. And you're not like, oh my goodness, I didn't do that most important thing that to me is the connection with my kids that I build my foundation on every day. Mm -hmm. So I just love to use that word because I think it gives it power when you can distill down to what are my most important things Mm -hmm. that I'm going to do with my children and I'm going to just make it non-negotiable no matter what. And they know it. Like my kids, we call it essentials. And I'm like, okay guys, everybody essential time. And we all sit down and we do our essentials. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, don't know, I think that word, gives a lot mm-hmm. of, it makes things easier when you use the word non-negotiable. I think it makes it easier in your brain. Mm-hmm. And you're not having to carry around that list with you all the time of, oh wait, I haven't done this.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: anyway, I love to use that word.
2: Yeah, I was it I think it was me that said it or was it Felicia? I was like, Who said that? But I whoever <laughs> said it, it is a great word. Oh wow, I can't believe I said that this morning at eight AM I'm trying to ask you, I feel like we already kind of jumped into our conversation, but I am curious to know if you two define yourselves as minimalists. I know you practice intentional living, but you consider yourself minimalist? Hey Anton and
0: I are giggling inside right now when you ask that question because you're right. We We're both, both try to be very intentional. And so I'll answer for only myself first. (laughs) I, I call myself a thrower aware, but not a minimalist necessarily in my things. I love to feel like I don't, like I love like the clean feel of not having a lot of stuff, but I am working on my consumption of things. (laughs) I have a tendency to not be able to, not buy something but i but i do like to have not a lot of things in my house so i'm 50% there but i would say i i try to be minimalist in my life of things i choose to do or say yes to not fill my plate up too much and you know i'll look look ahead to a day or a week and say you know i thought i think that feels a little too full and move stuff around and i think that's very helpful Um, Especially when you have little kids, because I say you need an hour on both ends of trying to do anything with little kids. (laughs) And so I try to put some cushion in the schedule. So I feel like I'm minimalist in in my life, but Mm -hmm. working on the other side of it.
1: Yeah. And if you walk into Felicia's house, you, it feels like the home of a minimalist, you oh, know what I mean? Sorry. She does, nice. she does do a really good job at just getting rid of things, <laughs> which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, Diane, um, I mean, I'm like a fan club girl of you <laughs> for you <laughs> because I, I am obsessed with minimalism. I read books about it all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm a total aspiring minimalist, but I can't, if you came into my house, I don't think you would get the same vibe that you get in Felicia's house. I have a really hard time letting things go. I, I'm naturally like a, I attach the memory to the item, even though the item is not serving me anymore. That's a, like a flaw of a pain point for me. And so yes, I am an aspiring minimalist and I do try in a lot of ways. I would say when it comes to scheduling things, I feel the same way. I actually have no problem saying no to things that, unless they're really fun and then Mm -hmm. I actually do have a hard time saying no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I have, I feel like a low um, tolerance for over busyness. I feel like in that way, I am a minimalist and I am Working on when it comes to material items. I'm working on the concept of minimalism. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm, yeah. So hopefully, the more I listen to you and the more I go on this journey, the more I can define myself as a minimalist.
2: No, that's great. And I think I remember when we chatted on your podcast that we were saying how you both are really good about tearing down your schedule and making sure that your mind it stays minimal. <laughs> I don't know how else to define that, but just you're really good at maybe the mental elements and then I'm good at the tangible, like get the stuff out of my house. So I feel mm-hmm. like I could really benefit from you. <laughs> I, always, I talk about this stuff all the time on my podcast and I'd say there's taking in the information and then there's enacting it. And I'd still say that I'm 50% enacting some of this stuff. And like you said, you don't like to be over busy. And I think that sometimes still I... I just really like to be busy and I I think I like to live in that adrenaline state, but I'm seeing how bad it is for my parenting when I'm living in that chaotic state. So I guess somewhat transitioning, what do our children really need from us in their lives, I guess?
0: Yeah. You know, I think you touched on something that I hear from a lot of, a lot of mother. I mean, we mostly talk to mothers, but I think parents now feel this in general that um there's too much there's too much to do. There's Mm and I and I think that sometimes it's there's so many options to do. And beyond just what we have in our everyday lives, being super busy and our kids are in 10 million activities and we can choose to go to this play date or that or you know all these different things, our lives are pretty hectic. And I think our our current environment with you know everything that's going on that people were kind of forced into a little bit more of a a slower pace mm-hmm. and it feels if you haven't been living that way it feels pretty uncomfortable for a lot of people
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i think that's i think that is one huge pillar that you can look at in your life where am i kind of pushing because i think kids just to remember so if you're asking what they need i think one big thing if you're if you're talking on that front is to remember that kids don't have these invisible like expectations that we put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if you can give them a little cushion that way, I see a huge shift in my kids when um, I give a little cushion. So I think of simplicity parenting with Kim John Payne as a good Mm -hmm. reference for someone who's maybe feeling like my life is a little too full of either stuff or activities slash, I just feel like I'm pushing my kids all the time. I think that's one huge step you can take is paring down the schedule, paring down the stuff. And then I think that leads you to a little clear space where you can say, because I think when you ask, what do my kids need? I think that's different for every single kid and every single family, Mm -hmm. but you're not going to be able to discover that if your life is so full of activities and stuff and you're managing so much that you're just constantly That's exactly what it is. You're managing your kids instead of seeing like having your relationship Mm -hmm. with them. So I think that's a really good place to start. And it it goes directly to what um, your listeners, if they're listening here for minimalist ideas, Mm -hmm. I think paring down what you're doing and the things you're doing. And even, you know, you can talk about the toys your kids have and all of that. You can get to a place of there's so much less to manage. So you just find yourself parenting much less. Mm-hmm. So, so much less discipline, so much less get in the car, so much less. All of that is really freeing, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And Felicia, as you're saying that I'm picturing uh, leaving space for transitions because kids have a lot of kids have trouble with transitions, right? They're playing with Legos and you're like, we need to go mm-hmm. to this lesson, and it's that, that rushed feeling, I think for a lot of parents and kids, I picture it like, uh, when you're, sometimes I feel like as a parent, you are the, like the engine of a train, but your kids are in front of you and you're trying to push them. And as soon as you stop, they just like all hop off the track. Like that feeling of like, I'm pushing a train uphill that can at any moment just fall off the tracks. And what I found for me, it doesn't feel simple when you're feeling that way. So I think for a lot of parents, when you feel that feeling, of I'm pushing, we're going to these activities and they're just bailing off. And if I, if I stop pushing at any moment, they're just going to stop. Um, I think that's for me, every time I feel that that is like a little flag that goes up saying, let me reevaluate from a simplicity standpoint, what are we doing as a family? And for me, we actually have once a month conversation because what you're expressing, Diane, I, I think it's important to Note that all of us as parents, we have different levels of busyness that feels like thriving, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. to us. And there's a place where we cross over into I call it feeling full, like I'm living, I'm doing the amount of things that I want to do. This is wonderful to when you use the word going into your adrenaline state, right? Mm-hmm. When you go from that state to, okay, now I'm push, I'm just pushing or I'm living in adrenaline, then that's how we know we've shifted into, okay, how can we pull back? And still, it sounds like you're a person who still loves accomplishing and doing things. It doesn't mean you have to become just yeah. like, a, I only sit cross-legged on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: think house. that's a good note because even Terlin and I, I, I mean, we have very different levels of fun, busyness. Yeah. You don't have to Just stop doing everything and raise chickens in your backyard. If that's not what you want to do.
1: But it's a good space to look at. And for me, anytime I'm feeling Felicia actually does have a higher quota. We call it our fun quota. Felicia has a higher ability to like, she can thrive doing more things. Mm -hmm. I have to like pull it back. And when I feel that feeling, I actually just have to start saying no to things. But for me, with especially small children, making sure you actually have space in between things you can actually skip that whole feeling of rush and pushing. They can have little independent play free times in between. Then I think for kids, they're not feeling like, oh my goodness, we're just going from one thing to the next, to the next. And when you ask what kids need, oh, it makes me so excited because I know every kid's different and I know every mom's different on our level of the things that we can do in a day and still feel balanced. However, the Things that everybody needs, I know we already we've we've listed them, but I just want to take just a minute and touch on them because you can apply this to every single kid, every single human. We all need connection. For me, it starts there. Anytime I'm feeling over busy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: my connection with my relationships suffer. So that's a good gauge of am I too busy? Because if my connection is suffering then therefore all my relationships are going to suffer, right? So if you can come back to small moments during the day where you're actually connecting with your kids, doing what you normally do, it can look like we're eating lunch, but we're actually looking at each other instead of planning our next event.
0: And I want to say one thing on connection that if we can focus on, I think a lot of parents hear one-on-one time connection and they're like, like Mm -hmm. when I don't have time, I don't. And if you can look at, having it be quality time. Mm -hmm. So that can be, I only have the four minutes it takes me to change my two-year-old's diaper, literally, because I have this many other kids and then I have to go to this work meeting or whatever. Making that quality, looking into their eyes, telling them what they're doing. Maybe you're singing their favorite song, Mm -hmm. but that can be a one-on-one moment. It doesn't have to be, I go out to lunch with two hours Mm -hmm. or two hours with my kid. It can be doing their bath instead of, checking your phone around the corner, you're engaging in their bath. And I'm not, I'm not trying to shame looking at your phone. Cause sometimes I hide in the closet and just scroll Instagram. Cause I want to zone out. <laughs> I'm just saying if we're trying to find their mo- those moments, they're there. We don't have to do this big elaborate one-on-one mm-hmm. extravaganza. So I wanted to note that with connection. Yes.
1: Yes. As parents, we're doing things all day long to keep our kids alive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we can actually just use that time we're already doing as moments of connection. Mm -hmm. So we all, I think that's a great place to start. All kids need that. Mm -hmm. All kids Mm -hmm. need unconditional love, which is no matter the concept. there is no matter what our kids do, no matter how many milk glasses they break or when they make messes, any of those things, can we respond with love? They don't, they're not afraid of us flipping our switch and reacting Mm -hmm. with such strong feelings that Mm -hmm. they feel scared. Um, um, But that idea that we love you no matter what, and we can help you learn how to fix a mistake when you make the mistake, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Being present with them, all everybody thrives off of if we can actually take moments to live in the moment that we are in. And I think you can actually do more in your day if you're able to stay present with those moments. Cause it again, takes you out of that adrenaline feeling. You can actually have a lot of things in a day, mm-hmm. but if you can feel like you're grounded in the present moment, you're not going to feel that over busy pushing feeling. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is all kids, all humans, all of us, we need boundaries. We all need healthy boundaries. I have to set boundaries around myself. Even like Felicia and I spent a ton of time together. And there's times where I have to say, yeah, I can't like, mm-hmm. I can't do that. I'm going to set a boundary. And for kids, I think that when we're focusing on connection, unconditional love and being present with them, it makes it really easy to set boundaries. And then as a parent, you're not feeling on a minimalist note, you're not feeling like you have to just say yes to everything. You can set a healthy boundary. Like, you know what? No, we're not. We're not watching that movie right now. And then I'm okay with whatever your reaction is, Mm -hmm. right? Like I can, Mm -hmm. I can hear you, but I'm going to say no here, here and here. Mm -hmm. And no, we're going to say no to this activity. And you can say it with confidence because you know that setting healthy boundaries are part of living a life where you're not feeling over scheduled, over busy. Mm -hmm. So I think those are things that all kids need, all adults need. And you can always go back to those things when
0: you're, if you're feeling a little bit, uh, whelmed, whelmed. whelmed.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I've noticed in my own life now that we have a third, I feel like with every additional child that we've added, obviously Charlotte, my first, she's getting less and less of my time. And so just the last couple of weeks, right before we usually start the bedtime routine, which is post-dinner, I have gotten the baby ready and then I put him in his little, I was going to say cage, but it's not a cage. I <laughs> put him in his cage. Um, no, his playpen. And then she and I, we just color together and we listen to Circle Round. It's a podcast and it's a, just a story. And we just listen through that podcast and color together. And I have noticed such a difference in her behavior and the day-to-day since we started doing this. And I really do think it comes back to It's not a ton of time, but it's quality time where we can kind of talk through the story after it's done and kind of through it. And I don't have time to give her hours of my day anymore. It's just not realistic. And it might not even be realistic for someone that only has one child because we all have different schedules. It's going to look different for everyone. But I think you're so right. It does come back to the quality and the investment that we're making in them, making those transitional times really quality for our kids. So I, I totally agree with you guys.
0: That's beautiful. I love that, Dan. I love that. That listening so and coloring
1: together. I, I can like picture it in my mind. It sounds beautiful.
2: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and
0: Thank you, Diane. We're excited to be here again. We could talk to you for hours. Yeah, we're so thrilled.
2: I was going to say that we were just talking before we hit record and I was concerned that we might not have enough time to fill the full 20 or 25 minutes about discipline, but then we started talking through it and I think that we'll be just fine. I think that all of us probably have a lot to say.
1: Oh, we could talk about this for hours. So yes, there's so much good stuff here.
2: Yeah. Well, let's let's dive into our conversation. I'm going to allow you two, to both tell me what it looks like for you to discipline minimally if there's such a thing.
1: Well, yeah, I would say that there definitely is such a thing and it's so much less overwhelming than a lot of other approaches to discipline or maybe our interpretations of what discipline is. And for me, the first step is uh, oftentimes I think as parents, we think that unless we have read or researched the exact uh, response we should be having to everything our kids could possibly do we end up just feeling inexperienced not prepared and overwhelmed with when our kids do something that we're like oh i don't know exactly how i should respond to that so therefore i feel paralyzed but the beautiful thing is there's just a simple way of looking at discipline that you can apply to almost any situation that doesn't require like a manual for each one. And I think that's where sometimes we get bogged down. We live in this amazing time of so much information and it's wonderful. I mean, I think that this is the best time on earth to live. Like I am thrilled to live here at this time, but the downside is I think oftentimes we get bogged down with so much information that we feel like we can't actually trust our own parental instincts and we have to have permission to Respond to our children in a correct way. So, we have a few tips here. That's just, I like to think of it as like a simple recipe you can just apply to any situation and not feel overwhelmed by. Do I have enough information in my mind to respond here? Mm -hmm. So the first step for me that was a real game changer is simply the way of looking at the word discipline. Uh, The French use the word education instead of discipline. And for me, words are so powerful. And when I look at discipline as education or as teaching, it totally changes it for me that we have this amazing gift as parents that we get to teach our children how to behave in this world and get along with others and all those kinds of things. And it takes some time and quite a bit of effort. But when I look at it that way, it feels so much more loving and so much more respectful than picturing myself as this kind of punitive dictatorship Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) with a lot of um, very strict punishments. Mm -hmm. And however, as I say that, we're going to talk a lot about setting healthy boundaries. So there are boundaries and limits, definitely. But it kind of takes the pressure off Feeling like you have to do it in a negative way. Mm -hmm. I think discipline can be very positive and very beautiful and very respectful.
0: Yeah, I, when you were saying that, when you were describing needing to have a perfect reaction to every single thing, I started to feel that feeling that I think we all feel as parents where you feel out of control, you feel overwhelmed because your kids are just doing X, Y, Z, and you feel like, I don't even know how to respond, and your brain feels like it's going to explode. And I think we've all had that feeling so much. Mm -hmm. But when I think about it as discipline is to teach, I kind of get this overwhelming calm feeling because when you start to respond to your kids um, as their teacher and their guide, I think um, you get to a place where, Carolyn often describes, you know, you feel like you're the train and you're pushing. You're keeping everybody going. And I feel like when I'm in a mode of more punishment mode where I'm feeling like I have to take onto my plate everything they're doing Mm -hmm. and I have to solve it and I have to fix it, then I feel like if I stop for one second, everything's going to go off the tracks. But when I've been teaching my kids instead and coming at it from a place of that calm, I'm setting the limits before. And then in the moment, I'm taking the opportunity to pause and then teach them. I feel like they are much more self sufficient and independent. And I feel like if I need to walk away, I can trust that you know the whole thing's not just going to blow up in my face. <laughs> I think if you look at it from there's kind of two not really steps but two modes of the time that you're splitting. So there's things that you set up in advance so that you have to discipline less. These are my favorite. And then there's things that you do in the moment when your kid does something that you want to teach them is not okay or teach them to do a different way. So when, when we're looking at before anything ever happens, anything um, that you need to discipline, we can look at setting up predictable routines and rhythms in our day. So That looks like, you know, when we wake up, we have breakfast at this time and then you get a little free play time while I make breakfast and then we're going to go on some sort of outing. Then we're going to come back for a nap and having those sort of routines and rhythms set up in your day, I think make it so you, you just discipline a lot less because your kids know that, okay, now we usually get ready and get in the car. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot less fighting when you say, okay, time to put shoes on. We're going to go to the library. Mm -hmm. And I think setting up those things throughout your day really makes it so your kids don't have as much pushback Mm
1: -hmm. throughout the day. Mm -hmm. One of our favorite mentors uh, is Janet Lansbury about respectful parenting. And something that I love, that's such a good thing to remember, especially when we're thinking about parenting minimally, is that I think oftentimes us as parents, we think that kids have the same level of ability to handle things as we do as adults. Mm -hmm. So we can plan our day with 10 things and we don't have to have a meltdown in between the transition between two. (laughs) And then it frustrates us that our two-year-old can't handle five errands and a play date because we can, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it might be too much for small children. So that's a good place to start is first of all, looking at your day, is there some semblance of routine that your kids can depend on? Are you giving them a cushion between different things. We call it that transition time that all kids have trouble with, right? Like getting in the car seems like it's always Mm going to be a thing. So give yourself enough time that you're not doing the, everybody, where's your shoes? You know, Mm -hmm. if you can actually give yourself the amount of time, they know that it's coming, your shoes are already at the door. That's going to just decrease your amount of needing to, again, that, that imagery of, you're not just pushing a bunch of water up a hill on a train track. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're all just bailing off. Mm -hmm. So those are some things. Look at your schedule. See if you are a little bit over scheduled. If you can simplify a little bit, giving yourself that space and your kids that space. Mm -hmm. That is huge for me, especially while they're little. Yeah. I would say three and under. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that oftentimes most of us could probably cut out a big chunk of the places that we're taking them to mm-hmm. and it'd be easier on them and easier for us.
0: Speaking there too, we get a lot of questions from people wondering how they can encourage their kids to free play without direction. And I think looking at at what you're doing and what you have planned could be a big clue because I see that if you're kind of bussing your kids places all the time, they get used to that stimulation and they're constantly interrupted at home in their free play it interrupts that in their brain it is going to be a big detox when they are then home one full day kind of aimlessly wandering around so that could help there too and that applies to us as adults too. oh right? totally <laughs> sometimes i
1: think we overschedule ourselves so much that when we're home in the silence our brains start reaching for mm-hmm. our phones because we don't know how to be still. Exactly. So it's a nice, I think all of us could use a little simplifying in our lives, and it really brings discipline into a much more beautiful space and a minimal space. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It makes things a lot easier mm-hmm. if we can.
2: You talked about that last time about, and this is something that I should know by now having three children, but you talked mm-hmm. about how adding at least minimum a half hour on the ends of your time for whatever you're about to go do. Cause I'm like, no, we can just get out the door in five minutes. (laughs) And then it's, you, you do don't even for the most organized of us. If I have everything kind of packed up, there's always something I'm like running back into the house for. And so that's just poor planning on my part, which actually puts me into more of a reactive space when I'm parenting, which is actually what I (laughs) want to talk about next, how to remain, non-reactive because I do think that there are different personalities when it comes to parenting. I really like the idea of teaching when you reframe discipline as this negative, harsh thing. I think that automatically takes you out of a reactive space when you're like, how do I educate them? Mm -hmm. And then also just, I guess here, a tip at the forefront of this conversation is I, who told, I don't know. I can't remember who told me this, but when you not critique, but when you start to educate, that means you actually have to show them what to do. So for my two-year-old, when Charlotte takes his toy and he hits her and I say, no, that's not nice. And then I stop I haven't told him what to do. I haven't instructed him how to handle that. He'll continue to do that because I haven't taught him how to react in those circumstances. I've just said that's not nice. So I think it's following through from start to finish with the education. And that's kind of helped me to be a little bit less reactive. But I want to hear your guys' thoughts.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, Diane, I love, this is a brilliant question. First of all, I just want to let you know, You're not alone in having three kids and sometimes not giving yourself enough time in those transitions. (laughs) I have four kids and still sometimes I'm like, I know better. I know better. (laughs) And something that helps there is I think if you can give your kids, I like to give them a 10 minute heads up before I even start the process Mm -hmm. of we are going to in 10 minutes start getting ourselves together to leave. So that does look like at least 30 minutes before you're going to go. So, true. so that they can prepare themselves their little minds mm-hmm. like we're gonna move in for me once I get into that rushed state I call it my patient skin has worn away like yeah. the patience I feel like is gone and I'm not parenting from a good spot so I just want you to know and any listeners out there who are listening you're not alone
0: in feeling
1: that <laughs> I'm always on time
0: it's never hard to get in the car
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway but Uh, That question about how can we actually teach our kids? This is so brilliant because I think a a mistake, let's see, a misinterpretation of when people hear the word respectful parenting, they think it just means always being, always saying yes and letting your kids do whatever they want because we can't, you know, hurt their feelings. And that's not it. That actually just creates uh, some people call them like the little the tiny king mm-hmm. or a little monster. You could also say that word. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so I love that you brought this up because yes, when our, if our son hits our daughter, then what is our role? So let's, I'm glad you gave that example. Let's just walk through that. Let's plug it in and kind of walk through a few nice minimal ways to educate while still being respectful.
0: Yeah. And I think the first step really there is something also you do before anything happens. And that is to really have clear boundaries. And limits in your home. so your kids know in our house it would be not hurting people with your body or your words. For every house is gonna be different. For me, one of my my boundaries is i I don't want anybody with me when I'm going to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. That sounds silly. And a lot of people don't care if their kids are just in the bathroom, and I know that's like a mom joke, but mm-hmm. that's one of my boundaries. And because I've said it, mm-hmm. my kids don't come in when I go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. i don't I don't have that experience because mm-hmm. they know. That you know, somebody gets hurt, they'll come in and tell me, but that rarely happens. Or a boundary of we stay at the table all together during meals. So whatever your boundaries are in your house and your limits, if you talked about them before, then there is going to be a lot less discipline in the moment.
1: And sometimes that, I think, is the really <laughs> the trick altogether. I think it, for me, I've noticed in my own life, it cuts down the time I need to actually like step in Mm -hmm. and intervene by, I want to say at least half. Mm -hmm. Like for example, we have a boundary when when summer started, I hadn't set a specific boundary around, um, we have a specific boundary around screen time, but there was a game that my kids had been introduced to a school, it's called Minecraft. And I hadn't set for the summer what we were going to do. And it was causing lots of issues with my son. Mm -hmm. Like he kept asking every day and I was saying no every day. And I just hadn't actually told him what I had decided for my summer boundary, which I decided on. It was once a week. He gets it for this small period of time on Wednesday. And then after that, it has totally eliminated the problem because I just hadn't been clear with him. I had decided for myself, actually. Mm-hmm. I had been clear with my own mind. But as soon as I told him, we're going to do Wednesday at 1030 for this amount of minutes, then anytime he asked throughout the week, I can say, oh, what day is it? What time mm-hmm. is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then he asked that maybe twice, and it hasn't even been an issue because it was just a matter of setting the boundary ahead of time. As you get older kids, mm-hmm. setting the boundaries ahead of, ahead of time so they know where the limit is, is a game changer for toddlers, which in this hitting situation, all toddlers know they're not supposed to hit. So that you know, it won't really help <laughs> there with little tiny kids, and we'll we'll show you how you can actually step in and intervene there. But with older kids, it's a game changer. And I like to see, even with toddlers, I like to picture that whatever your limits are, are like a playpen. So with a toddler, you have this kind of smaller playpen. And as your kids get bigger, your limits get a little bit wider. Mm -hmm. So you can't see my hand here, but I'm like drawing a frame. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you picture that your kids have freedom within that frame. You don't have to be micromanaging them every second. It's exhausting Mm -hmm. for you. It's exhausting for them. And it erodes your relationship. However, when they bounce up against that parameter that you've set ahead of time, they know where it is. They know you're going to step in and intervene and nobody's surprised. So Mm -hmm. I love that, that kind of visual of looking at there's freedom within the frame, but then you have these nice, strong boundaries that you're going to hold. Like in Felicia's situation, wow, I love that. How did I not know about that boundary? I love that. (laughs) The bathroom. The bathroom boundary. Oh my heavens. (laughs) But I love it that they know if you're going to the bathroom, they have all sorts of freedom out here, but if they come up against that boundary, you're going to ask them to leave. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that kind of expectation ahead of time. Right. So now let's circle back to the hitting. You yeah. have a smaller child who probably, they I mean, they know, but they don't have the impulse control. They just mm-hmm. feel the anger, reach out, and he hits his sister. Yeah. So our little recipe you can plug in is pause is our first step. In a hitting situation, it's difficult because the goal is to, if you can just stop the hit, you do it, mm-hmm. right? If you're sitting right there, then you can just grab his little hand. However, oftentimes you're going to be in the kitchen and they're going to be in the family room and you're going to hear the hit or Mm -hmm. see the hit. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, you can't, I think in most discipline situations you can pause, which is key. Even with babies, I pause, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but in a hitting situation, it's important. I think that we don't give the panic vibe. Like if we like run over there and we're like, Oh my gosh, don't hit. Like you're like running, like this is an emergency. They're going to feel that if we can stay unruffled and just walk over, but like I'm still calm. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys at this point, the toddlers have probably lost it, right? The mm-hmm. sisters probably crying. Sometimes the brother in the situation is crying because it doesn't feel good to hurt other people. Mm-hmm. So that walk over, you're still like exuding like I'm still calm here, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the first step mm-hmm. is the pause in any situation, and in this situation, it would be just like getting over there
0: to be with the two. And I think that's taking you out of that reactive state. Mm-hmm. And I think. Uh, Man, the hurting siblings thing or sibling conflict is so, I think it's so triggering for us because we love all of our kids and to see them hurt each other, I think, super triggering as a parent. Um, But I think if you can remember, and having three boys, I mean, it is almost every minute in my house. (laughs) I think if you can remember, any, you know, my boys have done a lot of stuff to each other and I see two things. One, they're learning from those interactions and two and there's there's more extreme circumstances but for most kids they're not really going to hurt each other that bad so mm. i think sometimes we put ourselves in it like we have to be like you did this and then you did this and you hit him and that was mean and you go down this into this role of putting yourself into that situation and it just gets so messy because then you didn't really see it most of the time. You're going off like what so-and-so said and what so-and-so said. So I think if you can, like Terrilyn said, if you can stop the hurt when they're little, when especially when they're bigger, you're not going to really stop the hurt that often. But if you can just pause, and if you don't know what to say in that moment, don't say anything. And I think that's really hard as parents, not to go off on a lecture, but... And you can
1: take a breath here as a pause. Right. You can be right there holding a child's hand yes. and actually like take a few breaths. That yes. is a great space. And they can see you being like, I'm, I'm actually not going to yeah. say anything right now. Cause yeah, I'm going to take a few breaths. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's the key is most always like you were talking about, if you haven't taught your kid, if they're l- little, mm-hmm. um, then that's a different situation. But most always our kids know what they did wrong. We've already told them probably a hundred times in the past. Mm-hmm. So I think that when we talk and talk and talk, we are kind of reinforcing, oh, I just know you're going to do this again. And we're just talk about it again. And I'm just giving you all this information. Instead, I think if we move into just the action. So for me, it looks like I hear the fighting walk in, hopefully remaining calm. This is a perfect discipline situation. Sometimes we're not looking like this, but if we can take a pause and then I just remove, so if like they're hitting with like sticks or throwing toys, Mm -hmm. I will just take those things away or remove one of the people from, one of the kids from the situation. And it almost involves no talking or explanation because they already know. Mm -hmm. And then it's just a super, we want to talk minimal space of, i just remove the item or the person and they really don't object because they know yeah. <laughs>
2: and
0: and they know kids what they did.
1: receive action we've uh, there's this amazing book called raising lions who he's spent his entire life dealing with children who have really strong behavioral issues mm-hmm. and his big thing is we talk so much we talk mm-hmm. our children's ear off and they just learn that all they're going to get for something is words mm-hmm. but action not unkind action and not action with anger or violence, simply calm, unruffled action Mm -hmm. with a two-year-old that does look like picking them up and just taking them to the other side of the room so they can't poke their sister's eyes. Mm -hmm. For older kids, it is just, for my kids, I just, I can't tell you how many times I've taken sticks. Like Mm -hmm. it's just calm, Mm -hmm. I'm calm, I take the stick. You're hurting with the stick, I'm just gonna take the stick and I take it away. Mm -hmm. And most of the time now, they don't even cry about it. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they do cry and I allow them I think that's another key to this whole thing is we allow our children whatever reaction they're going to have. So if we take the Mm -hmm. stick because they just hit their sibling with it and we're calm, the chance of them staying calm is higher if we're calm, but Mm -hmm. they might cry about us taking the stick and we allow them that reaction. Mm -hmm. You know what? You're sad I took the stick. And we can simply say that, simply observe what they're feeling and that's it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the beautiful thing. It is a minimalist approach because I think so much of the time we think we need to do so much more. Mm And I do want to say that when you were talking about teaching your son how to actually respond in that situation, uh, this advice comes from the book, Calmer, Easier, Happier Boys. Um, And I've used this and it works so well with my young children. So in the moment, kids generally know that what they've done is wrong. They know they shouldn't hit their siblings. They know they shouldn't write on the walls with crayons. (laughs) They They know all those things, right? So in the moment, you just plug in the recipe. You take a deep breath. You pause. You respond by stopping whatever's happening. That may mean moving. That may mean in in the crayon situation, you take the crayon, you allow them their response and you can simply observe. You're really frustrated that I took the crayon, but I'm not going to allow you to have it because you drew on the walls. And that's it. Then later, now this is where the teaching, I think that you're kind of suggesting here, Diane, Mm -hmm. I think is so powerful. Uh, She calls it a replay and that's what I've started calling it in my house or a do over later when the emotions are not there, you're not in the moment. I can sit down with my six-year-old and I can say, remember today when you hit your little brother with that stick, I can see you're really frustrated. Can you, let's practice it just in our minds. What would you do again you know and he'll say, well oh he took my ball and then I was mad so I hit him with the stick
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I'd say, okay, so next time that happens when he takes your ball because it's not the last time mm-hmm. your little brother's gonna take your ball. I don't say it like that yeah. but you know <laughs> what what can you do differently And he'll come up with his own solution later mm-hmm. when the anchor is not there and that's a great opportunity. I love that you brought in that idea though that if we are educating our kids, I think the time for words is later when the emotion's not there and you can call it a do-over or a replay, but you can have these amazing conversations with even little kids. If it was a big enough deal that you're like, Oh man, I need to teach them. They might not have known what to do in that situation. Mm -hmm. You can talk about it later, but in the moment when they're crying, they're first of all, not even going to hear. And it's just going to sound like lecturing Mm -hmm. and it's not actually going to help them. So I think calm action in the moment and later you can do the replay or a do-over, and then you get both teaching calmly, setting that framework in the moment, but then you don't lose out on those beautiful conversations, because later, when they're not in the moment, they can be really beautiful and really sweet. I mean, they come up with really cute solutions, and they can actually hear you. They can, like, hear what you're saying
2: Mm -hmm. later. Yeah, that follow-through, like I said, I think that that's the part that I know that I miss a lot of the time and that I've tried to get better about thinking of in the moment. And then I like, I don't remember which episode of your podcast you guys were discussing this, but I think Felicia, aren't you really good at diaper changes? Isn't that what I was, <laughs> I was hearing a- this somewhere. I feel- yeah, but you were saying how even with babies, if you get not aggressive, that's not the word because obviously we're not aggressive with our babies. If you're frustrated, you're giving off that vibe to your baby and help me out here. What what exactly were you Mm -hmm. saying? Well, I I think we've
0: all felt that feeling when you say not aggressive, but I felt that feeling like, yeah, that building very firm building up in my body. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you have an episode where um, you had a guest talk about that anger we can feel towards our kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so, so real. And I mean, anyone who Listens to our podcast. I've talked about how I came to respectful parenting because I think had I just gone willy nilly on the whole thing, I would have probably been kind of a really mad voice, mm-hmm. naggy, kind of frustrated mom. Yeah, I think that's probably more my natural. I'm not a naturally like zen. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely type A. I'm definitely more like control. Let's do this yeah. type of a person. And so I think that's the perfect example with the diaper changes is, you know, we all have had that one to 18 month old who is doing the alligator roll or, you know, no, don't change my diaper, sticking mm-hmm. their hands down there and just messing the whole thing up. And you just want this to be easy. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where we can look to ourselves and our reactions, and you can. You know whether it's you're pinning them down. Sometimes I've a couple of my kids. It's like you have to sit down, pin them down with the legs. You're like in the V sit,
2: yeah. <laughs> legs on
0: the the arms, holding them down. Or you know I've had to get to a space where I'm doing like the stand up diaper change. Mm-hmm. But if your energy coming into the diaper change is, you know what, you can all get all get a roll. You can scream. You can. Tell me you don't want me to change your diaper. You can do whatever you want. And I'm going to be unruffled about it, to use Janet Lansbury's term. But I'm going to be calm and I'm just going to change your diaper. And then after, you can scream and tell me how much you didn't like it. And I'm going to accept those emotions. And then we're going to move on. And I think there's so many moments like that in parenting. Mm -hmm.
1: Part of that is freedom, right? We think, and I, I remember thinking this with my first baby. This applies all the way down to when they're tiny. Mm-hmm. We think that when they cry, it is somehow a reflection on us. Mm-hmm. If they're losing mm-hmm. it during a diaper change, we are failing as a parent, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it is liberating re- it is liberating to realize that they can feel whatever they want to feel and it isn't a reflection on us. And therefore, we can allow it without reacting. And that's where the key is, I think, because you might think, well, great, Felicia, you can stay calm during a diaper change. But what if I can't stay calm? And it usually has something to do with that, mm-hmm. that if our kid is freaking out, therefore, we can't be happy if they're freaking out, right? Mm-hmm. But once we realize that we are separate people and our child can be very unhappy about a boundary that we set, or they can be happy unhappy as a baby because they need to cry for a little bit. Or they can be unhappy that we're changing their diaper and we can still react with love and allow that space. And you can simply say something like you're, you really don't want me to change your diaper right now, but I'm going to, mm-hmm. and that's it. Cause they don't have, you know, we're not going to just let them sit in a poopy diaper all day mm-hmm. and get a rash Yeah. or the same thing with like a car seat. You don't want to get it in your car seat, but this is a safety thing. I'm going to put you in your car seat anyway, and you can still do it with firmness. You mm-hmm. still have to move their arms through the car seat and buckle them in while they're crying. But you can actually not have to take on that emotion, right? You don't have to say they're freaking out. Therefore, that's a reflection on me and I'm freaking out. You can simply allow it mm-hmm. and observe it. And for me, just observing their emotions is the key for me to be able to do those things without actually like sending out the anger mm-hmm. vibe myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I can simply say, oh, you really didn't want that right now you're really angry right now. And just by me saying that, like makes me see, oh, we're separate people. They see, oh, we're separate people. I don't have to be unhappy about that. And I think a lot of parents just internalize that. Their kids having a tantrum at the store and they think this is a direct reflection on me. And that's what's the painful thing. That's what makes them react in anger. But if you're simply, this is a two-year-old having a tantrum, I'm going to give them a safe space for it. I'm going to take them out to the car and let them do it there. You can react with so much less anger just by kind of liberating yourself from having to be attached to their emotions mm-hmm. because kids, their emotions go up and down a ton. And if we're attached to them, if we feel like we have to feel it with them. It gets really exhausting. And it's a much more minimalist approach, I think, to say, you can have your emotions and I can observe them, but I'm going to choose to keep mine. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, it's liberating. I think once I discovered that, even with babies, it was liberating for me mm-hmm. to be like, oh, you can just be unhappy. Your diapers changed, you're fed. -hmm. And I'm going to hold you while you cry, but I don't have to shush you Mm -hmm. and stick something in your mouth because you're crying. I can simply allow it and observe it with empathy.
2: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is remaining non reactive. And I've talked about this on several of the other podcasts where we talked about not being reactive in our parenting. But I think kind of how I want to end all of this in this discussion is just that we can take the stress and the pressure off of ourselves to just allow our kids to have their emotions. And when we amp up our energy, if I am yelling, he is going to yell right back. I see him amp up. And so I think if we can just take the pressure on ourselves to have to fix every little thing and to just allow them to be, and then like you said, to follow through at the end of the day and kind of check back in, I think that's really helpful as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's a beautiful way to think of it, I think we set the tone. I, kids are like little anten- emotional antennas. They can totally feel when we're setting out that angry vibe. <laughs> and there's been times both of our kids, we laugh about it because we'll, we're thinking we're using a really calm voice, but we're not feeling calm. <laughs> yeah. And our kids will say something like, Mom, you're using a nice voice, yeah. but I'm not feeling it. You yeah. know, something like that. They can totally feel it. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a good. So, just as a review, to plug that into when you're in the moment, you take a you pause, you Check in with your own emotions. You allow them their emotions. You can observe what they're feeling. If that helps you, it helps me a lot. Uh, oftentimes, it takes doing less words, mm-hmm. more just calm action. Within siblings, we let them work it out. Oftentimes, uh, unless we feel like it's something we need to intervene with. Mm-hmm. And then later, do a review. Those That's kind of our thing you plug in. And ahead of time, the ways you prevent having to discipline often mm-hmm. is, uh, you set up your rhythms and routines, you give a cushioning and transitions and you set healthy boundary <laughs> and limits ahead of time yeah. that will cut down it. For me, that's the key to the whole minimalist approach is mm-hmm. those things you do ahead of time really cut down later yeah. <laughs> when you have to do in the moment. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you guys have any resources, maybe some favorite books that you'd like to share with listeners if they're off the top of your head? Sorry, I didn't prompt you for that.
0: No, totally. I think we mentioned a couple of them, but I really love Raising Lions and Calmer, Easier, Happier Boys. Having three boys, I feel like both of those hit a lot of things that my boys would do. I feel like each gender is unique. Each kid is unique, first Mm -hmm. of all, but also I do think that there is a lot of disciplining within gender that's different yeah
1: and we okay. can send you diane we'll send you the link to we actually have a whole list of our very favorite books oh great mm-hmm. but my two go-tos if parents are interested in learning more about respectful parenting if you have young kids three or under elevated Childcare care by Janet lansbury is like the bible for me oh. of that age i mean the way she says it I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can do this. It's so beautiful. And then another one, as your kids get older, is peaceful parents, happy kids. If you were to ask me what my two go-to books are, those are probably that for me. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other ones? And we'll we'll send you a link yeah. of these specific ones, and then we'll also send you a link to we again have like 20 that we love.
2: Yeah, no. Yeah. So so awesome.
0: If you really want
1: a deep dive, you can just keep going.
0: Yeah, and one more. All you your minimalist listeners would love simplicity parenting
1: yes Mm
0: -hmm. by Kim John Payne and it kind of encompasses the rhythms and routines simplifying your home environment and then also how that plays into simplifying your parenting that one is amazing
2: yeah absolutely that is a great one well I was gonna say I feel like we still could expand a little bit more but I'm gonna cut us off here we've been talking for about 40 (laughs) minutes so (laughs) And I was worried we couldn't go for 20. I just appreciate you both and just sharing anecdotes from your own life. I think that's so helpful when we actually hear how, I guess, this looks in action. I feel like that's really helpful when my guests do that. And I appreciate you guys coming back on today to discuss discipline. Of course,
0: Diane. We love talking to you. Thank you.
1: Brown cows.